Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. We worship Jesus as Lord. So they would not say Caesar's Lord. Now everybody else said, come on. You, you can do whatever you want. There, we worship all kinds of gods, and you can worship your God, but just say Caesar's Lord. Christians said no, and the apostle John said no. He was exiled to Patmos and then was uh, received a vision, and in this vision there are the letters to the seven churches. Now you today are having somewhat the same difficulty in in Canada, North America, public opinion has taken over as Caesar's Lord. We don't say Caesar is Lord, but public opinion is almost the same. You Christians, you worship whatever you want, but whatever Canada as a majority decides, you need to follow. And we have trouble with that because we say no. Jesus is Lord. We follow his word. There are some absolutes that God gives us, and we can't vary them just because people say don't do that. So in Canada, public opinion is starting to say the song of the way everybody is there, the mantra we hear is, I want to make my own decisions. We say, I can't go along with that. God makes the choices for us. We follow Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Well, that was some of the issues that are going on with these churches. Laodicea has the same issues. And we're going to start reading Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Well, at the very beginning in chapter 1, Jesus is called the faithful and true witness. So we know this is Jesus He's giving a message to this church, this group of believers in the town of Laodicea. And he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now I've entitled this message, Making God Gag. And it really has to do with that. And we're talking about hot and cold. Here is our talking about water. And I wore my hot, cold shirt in order to do this. Because you see on this side, it is hot. On this side, it is cold. And in this side, it is vomit. Gag you. Okay, making God gag. How do we make God gag? How can a church make God gag? And yet, that's exactly what he's saying in the church of Laodicea. You, you make me sick. Well, let's find the problem. Let's have a look at the problem. Um, one of the issues that you have with this passage is, and I remember it as a kid, I remember Pastor uh, uh, Ratsliff talking about it and Pastor Stewart, and when they came to this passage, they gave the classic passage interpretation was cold and hot. I, I want you cold or hot. Well, they understood hot meant, you know, hot, strong, vibrant church on fire, zealous, lively uh, hard-working Christians, spiritually active believers. Then on the cold side, you would have people who were strongly opposed to Jesus. And they were adamant in their disbelief. They were those, the lifeless pagans, the apathetic pagans. And so uh, he's saying, you know, I wish you were hot for God or cold totally again, but don't be in the middle. Don't be a mugwump. 
and you know what a mugwump is. That's where your mug is on one side of the fence and your wump is on the other. And you're kind of sitting on the fence. That's a mugwump. Well, he said, don't be a mugwump. Now, while there are passages in Scripture that speak about this, I don't believe this passage is speaking about that. One of my professors, Dr. Carson, went to Turkey, and this is 40 years ago, and he came back with some slides, and he started, you've got to understand the archaeology in order to understand what this letter to Laodicea is talking about. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at a little bit of the archaeology of modern-day Turkey. We're going to check out the geography and the history of this place. This is the Lycus Valley in Turkey. Uh, it, was called, it would be Roman Asia during the Roman times. It's a, a beautiful valley, mountains on both sides coming down to a point in the south end. We're going to go down into the south end. The chief city today is called Den Denzali, uh, down in the lower portion there. Then there are three cities. These three cities are called the Tri-Cities during the Roman days. Mostly there is just, um, there are little villages around today, but on the sites, they are archaeological sites. There's ruins and all kinds of stuff there that you can actually go, and they've done archaeological digs, and they've dug it up, and it really impacts what this passage is telling us. Let me bring you up to speed. Right in the middle is Laodicea. It's in the middle of the valley. Um, it uh, is, uh, is uh, right in the center. It's connected by excellent Roman roads. Some of the uh, evidence of that, you can still see the roads themselves. In addition, it was right on the middle of two uh, caravan routes. There was a north-south caravan route and a east-west. That's where all the trade is going. All the spices and stuff from the east are coming in. All the production's going out. So they were right in the middle of the whole commerce of the Roman era of the province of Phrygia, of the whole area called Asia. Now, we hear about uh, the people in the north. So Laodicea, up in the north, is Hierapolis. It's 17 kilometers north. Remember that name, Hierapolis. On the south is Colossae, 10 kilometers away. Colossae is that town, that city, that Paul wrote a letter to the Christians there in Colossians. Okay, it's the town of Colossae. So Colossae was important. Uh, there was a church there. Paul wrote a letter, and, and you can actually read it in your Bibles as Colossians. If you go to the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verses 12 to 16, you read these words. Epaphras, who is one of you in Colossians, Colossae, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis, very close to you. Give my greetings to my brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nymphia and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read in the church of Laodicea and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Now, we don't have that letter of the Laodiceans, but we do have the Colossian letter. We do realize there are Christians in Laodicea, Hierapolis, and Colossae. So let's go to Laodicea. There's a picture of the ruins of Laodicea today. Uh, they're quite extensive. Uh, it shows up as a very uh, wealthy, uh, very big Roman city. Hierapolis, which was 17 kilometers to the north, was a tourist center 
Laodicea is a banking center. It is wealthy. It's probably one of the wealthiest cities in the province of Phrygia. It was so wealthy that following the devastating earthquake in about 61 AD during the time of Nero, uh, the Roman historian Tacitus tells us, Laodicea arose from the ruins by the strength of her own resources and with no help from us. Meaning, they did not get any help from Rome. Their city was devastated during that earthquake, as all the cities in that area. They didn't get any help from Rome to rebuild. They did it all on their own. Hey, we're wealthy enough, we don't need any help from Rome. We don't have to pay our taxes back because of that. There is two problems with Laodicea's location. One is, it was not a strategically defensible city. It was built where the trade routes crossed. And somebody got a good idea, let's make some money. And so shops went up and the trades came in. And, you know, somebody put a, a tax booth right on the end of there and say, if you're coming through our city, we've got to pay taxes. Whatever it was, it began to grow because of the trade route. But it was not very defensible. It didn't have anything natural. And it never grew really big until Rome took over the area. And with Rome came Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And during Rome's days, one of the things they promised is, you will, we will build roads and you will be able to move on those roads safely. There won't be bandits. You won't be uh, people coming in to get you. You will not have uh, marauders coming in because our army will be there. And that was the peace of Rome. And that's all that Laodicea needed. Now, no one was going to attack them. Now they could make money. And over and over, the banks started to grow. It became a very wealthy area in trade. And the banks grew. The second problem Laodicea had was a lack of drinkable water. Most cities, when they start, they start out as a village or a hamlet. And it'll be around a source of water, a river, a creek, um, a spring, or a well. Then the city grows and it stays near that source of water. Laodicea grew because of money. It was a trade route. These trade routes met and they grew because of money. But they had no water. There were no springs in that area. There was no river directly in that area. Lycos River was a few miles away. And so the city had no natural source. It was all imported, and they didn't have plastic bottles. So they had a very great Roman invention, and that was the aqueduct. Today, there's still uh, ruins of the aqueducts that came in both above ground and then they went underground. They invented a piping system. They brought water from the Baspinar Spring a few miles away, but the whole area was full of volcanic action, and so the water that came was not really great. Here's a picture of the central distribution area. came into one area, and then it went out into the city in different areas and just flowed out. And you can see those pipes, those clay pipes, their clay and lead pipes were all through our, have been found in archaeology through all of the areas. Now, as I said, it was an earthquake area. It was volcanic. There were hot springs, and the water had a heavy content of lime. These are those pipes today 
and you can see how they've been enclosed with lime. Those were 12 inches, they're down to 3 inches, and that was lime over the years. So the heavy content in the lime. You can imagine what a first-time visitor to Laodicea would go and get a drink of water, and they'd probably spit it out. Gag me. This stuff is terrible. It was terrible water coming from a terrible spring, but it's all they had. Let's go north to Hierapolis. Hierapolis, 17 kilometers away. If I'm standing in Laodicea, where you're standing on this picture, you look to the north, you see those white cliffs at 17 kilometers. That is Hierapolis. Let's go and have a look at the white cliffs of Hierapolis. This is what they are. Hierapolis is still one of Turkey's great tourist attractions. If you go to Turkey, you must go to Hierapolis. Thousands of tourists visit each year, and they still do for more than 2,000 years. It has been known for its hot springs of water that said to contain healing properties. Through the centuries, people have believed that its waters could cure anything from rheumatism and bone ailments to brain deficiencies. The source of water is a subterranean network of springs extending for some 50 miles under the mountains to surface at Hierapolis. At a temperature of 95 degrees Fahrenheit, 35 Celsius, at a flow rate of 9,000 gallons per minute. That's off of the Turkey website. The water emerges with a heavy content of carbon dioxide and lime. So carbon dioxide, like you have in your pop, uh, but as it comes out of the water, that all dissipates, and they're, they're left with this, this uh, calcium bicarbonate. And that turns to this insoluble limestone, this heavy white stuff, and the results are this uh, type of an enormous fairy castle. These beautiful limestone formations are very crystalline white in the daytime, and at night they reflect the colors of the sunset. It's very beautiful. Now, in some places, the formations are some 20 feet in height, and from the distance, it looks like frozen waterfalls. Uh, it, the thermal springs have created these small, shallow turquoise pools in their warm water, it's possible to wade, lie down, relax, and take in the beauty and the heat of the, of the, hot, the hot springs, like little hot tubs. There are a number of hotels that have been built in the area, and it caters to hundreds of tourists, even today, who come to bathe in the healing waters. Naturally, this warm water would be seen as, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And so they started moving some of that water. So this is Rome. Rome is a, a builder. Let's figure out how to do this. So they made stone pipes. These pipes are 36 by 36 inches, uh, about uh, 18 inches uh, deep, and they have a 12-inch hole carved in the middle. They put these stones together and then covered the inside with terracotta clay, and that created a pipe. These pipes are going out of Hierapolis, and heading down to different towns that wanted it for their Roman baths because the water would be already up at a high temperature when it came into the town. They only had to heat it a little bit in the Calandrum, and they would have their Roman bath, and so hot water. The trouble was, over the years, they would become clogged with these lime deposits. Here's a picture of the piping system, and it's all crowded up with lime. 
You drink that water in that calendrum and it's enough to make you gag. It wasn't hot. It wasn't cold. By the time it got there, it was lukewarm and yucky. One of these pipes goes to Laodicea. Down in the south. We're in Laodicea again. Water's piped in. There's springs that come in and it's yucky water. There is hot water that comes in. It's yucky water. <coughs> Down to the south. I'm standing looking to the southwest. Ten kilometers away is Colossae. This hill is what is left of Colossae. It has not been excavated. Uh, in the background is uh, this little town that is up against the mountain. Colossae was near the mountains. Colossae uh, was, was destroyed in that earthquake of 61 AD. And it had a struggle to rebuild. It really didn't rebuild well. And that's why the writer to, in Revelation, uh, the letter went to Laodicea, the rich area where this church was really growing, not to Colossae where Paul wrote to, because by that time, by 95, 96 AD, the town was dissipating down to not very many people. But Colossae had one thing that was going for it, and that's it had great water. It had beautiful, cold mountain water. The Lycus River came out of the mountains and it dropped uh, into the ground and went underground for about half a mile and then came up as pools and springs. And uh, these were near Colossae and Colossae had great, cold, wonderful water. It was refreshing. It was something you could depend on. It really would revive you. They had great water. In that earthquake... That they think, because that river is not there today in Colossae. It's disappeared. And they think that those underground springs in that earthquake, it actually collapsed. There's a canyon about 30 feet deep that goes all in that waterway. And it probably stopped running about the time of that earthquake. And so Colossae began to dissipate as a town because its water ran out. But it did have one of the best areas of cold, clear water. Let's go back to Laodicea. And uh, Laodicea, the cold water that came from the springs by pipe, by the time I got to Laodicea, was blech, lukewarm and disgusting. The hot water that came down from the hot pipe, from the pipes, from the hot springs, by the time it gets to Laodicea, it's lukewarm, mineral tasting, and yeah doesn't taste very good. We're talking about making God gag. I know your deeds, says the Amen, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Church, you make me gag. Well, why would Jesus want a church to be cold or hot? Like, what, what's, what's this thing about? Remember that the church always refers to people. It's not a building. It's not a, an idea. It is a group of people. They are the church. We are the church. These are the believers. These are the followers of Jesus. And as a body of Christ on earth, you are to be hot. You are to be cold. Why? 
Well, remember this. Cold water is refreshing. It is enjoyable. It gives life and it is great and nothing better than a hot day to get a cold glass of water and oh, that's refreshing. I needed that. And you can tell the days when you actually didn't drink enough water. You know, you start to feel lethargic. You start to feel sick. At camp, we are constantly, it is a hot day. Kids, drink water. And you go around at lunch and you go, how many glasses have you had? None. Drink water. Just like uh, the uh, American Army there, U.S. Army, they were, that, was, that video was done by the U.S. Army in Afghanistan to make sure the soldiers are drinking water. Cold, refreshing water. Not coffee, not pop. Water. You need to drink water or your kidneys will shut down. Colossae. Colossae. That cold, drinkable water. Church, you need to be Cold. God's people gather together to be refreshing to each other and to their communities. The Christian faith should be refreshing. Jesus wants us to be refreshing and cold and clear and pure. Sometimes we don't feel refreshed. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we feel stagnant. We feel murky. We feel stale. And that's why we need to be the church. To gather together with God's people to be refreshed by His Holy Spirit and by the other believers. And maybe you're feeling stagnant and stale today, but someone else is feeling refreshed and they are able to help refresh you. Just listening to uh, Southern Sudan and the stories there, that refreshes us going, yes, God is working even in the darkest places in the world. That's refreshing. I always used, I remember since about 1988, I read this illustration that really helped me understand refreshing that the church does. In 1988, in Barrow, Alaska, an Inuit hunter uh, discovered three gray whales that were trapped in the pack ice in the Beaufort Sea. It actually happens a fair amount at the beginning of the early winter. Um, but this was a little bit different. It kind of gained worldwide uh, the news got a hold of it. This Inuit hunter used a chainsaw to cut a path, try and cut through the ice to cut a path leading to the open water. His fellow villagers came out. They began to help him. And because there was a uh, short wave, or I don't know what the technology is, but there was a relay station near, and there was an American news reporter in the village at the time, and they began to broadcast it. Soon the whole world kind of picked this thing up and all kinds of people came from all over to try to help the whales. And the world watched as three gray whales floated battered and bloody, gasping for breath at a hole in the ice. Their only hope somehow to be transported five miles past the ice pack to open sea. They tried a bunch of different things, but finally the rescuers began cutting a string of breathing holes about 20 yards apart in the six-inch thick ice. For eight days, they coaxed the whales from one hole to the next, mile after mile. Along the way, one of the trio vanished and was presumed dead. But finally, with the help of Russian icebreakers, the whales Putu and Siku swam to freedom. Now, in a way, worship is a string of breathing holes 
that the Lord provides His people. Battered and bruised in a world frozen over with greed, selfishness, and hatred, we rise for air in the church. It's a place to breathe again, to be loved and encouraged until the day when the Lord forever shatters the ice cap. The church is to be refreshing, cold. But the church also needs to be hot. In the hot waters of Hierapolis, we're healing. Hot water's good. It's healing. It's medicinal. It's cleansing. Ah, you just love it when you get into a hot tub and it's, oh, oh, my aching muscles. And the end of a hard day when you've been shoveling or raking all those winter leaves and stuff, and you're going, oh, I just get in the hot tub and, ah. And the rest of us kind of go, that's not fair. I don't have a hot tub. Hot is good. Try washing your dishes in cold water, lukewarm water. You know, the kids do the dishes and they got cold water. They say, son, you got to have hot water. And you get hot water in there. My mom told me, use hot water, and it works way better. When I studied physics, I understood why. I can't even remember anymore, but I remember I knew why. You expect your Tim Hortons double-double to be hot. You don't want it cold or lukewarm. You want it hot. Well, the cold water of Colossae was extremely beneficial as a refreshing drink or to help soothe a fever. The hot waters of Hierapolis were used to help relieve sore muscles and arthritis. And that's why Jesus wanted Laodicea to be either hot, therapeutic, or cold, refreshing. But not lukewarm. It just makes you gag. Pastor Nicky Gumbel is famous as the speaker on the Alpha series on those DVDs. He's pastor of Holy Trinity Church in Brighton, in London, in England. And he says, we welcome everyone regardless of their lifestyle. We have a big front door. Everyone's welcome. And then he goes on to say, the church is not a museum displaying perfect people. It is a hospital in the traditional sense of the word. A place of hospitality and restoration. It's a place where the wounded, hurt, broken, and injured find healing. It's a community of sinners. And I remember this in our church in Souk. We were kind of out of the way, and it was full of a strange group of people. We had recovering alcoholics. And they came week by week by week just to be refreshed and help with the next week, you know, living one day at a time. We had women and men who were healing from the pains of sexual abuse, either suffered as a child or as an adult. We had people suffering with mental health issues, and you know, they're a little bit nuts, but they came, and they needed refreshment. They needed the healing. We had people struggling with loneliness, widows, widowers. We had grieving parents from the loss of a child, one couple lost a six-year-old daughter to cancer and that impacted the church but it was the church that gave them their strength and the healing over the years there was hospice and supportive care to people in the final phases of a terminal illness the amen the faithful and true witness the ruler of god's creation jesus is saying to laodicea be hot 
Speak healing. Be cold. Be refreshing. But don't be lukewarm where it makes people gag. Yes, you've got lots of wealth. Yes, you've got all of this stuff. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. You were self-supporting. But you need Jesus. You need Jesus in order to be healing. You need Jesus in order to be refreshing. May God give us, as Ocean View, the opportunity and the the Holy Spirit as He allows us to be cold and hot and keep us away from lukewarm.